2: Hello there and welcome to So I Got To Thinking, the weekly podcast which takes the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw from the HBO series Sex and the City and explores whether or not her questions are still relevant for today. You are joined by Juno Dawson, author and journalist, Dylan B. Jones, the editor of QX and Sex and the City Superfan. And today we are very lucky because we are joined by a special guest star. For the second time ever, we have with us Alice Beverton Palmer, who is the founder of the Dorothy Project podcast, one of the DJs from London's best night out, push the button. And her day job is she's secretly in control of Twitter, as I like, as I like to describe. <laughs> Dylan, please can you tell us which episode of Sex and the City are we studying this week?
0: We're studying episode 10. The baby shower,
2: and what happens this week?
0: Well, uh, we meet Lainey Berlin.
3: Oh, I love Lainey! <laughs> what
0: Berlin. a name! What a name! Yeah, one of like Second City has many uh, memorable guest stars. Mm-hmm. She's one by far one of the most memorable. I think we
2: should. Yeah, there should be a book that I'm not volunteering to write but dedicated <laughs> to the amazing one-off characters who appeared in Sex and the City to never be mentioned again. Well, I actually wrote
0: a QX article on it. And Am- Amelie yeah.
2: Alfie, we've already had.
0: Yeah, there's there's so many more that we're going to that we're going to <laughs> yes. um, And
2: and Lainey Berlin is right up there. This is the one and only time we ever hear her name mentioned
0: yeah.
3: or see her haircut.
2: Her amazing what Yvonne from Prometh- East <laughs> What
3: are the characters going
2: on there? Yeah,
0: yeah. Or what was it was it the same act- actor actor was in Bad Girls? Well. Not bad girls. Footballers, what? Yes. yes,
2: yeah. I know exactly who you mean. Yeah, Gillian Taylorforth. Yeah, it was yeah. a bit that. Yeah. Um, either way, yeah, The 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 spiky rock set, kind of rock set themed haircut wasn't was not a good one. Yeah. So in a nutshell, so we always start with the synopsis of the episode. Um this episode um starts and ends and is more or less entirely about <clears throat> Lainey, um, a sort of former party girl yep. who who apparently two years ago did the most shocking thing you can do, which is you can move to Connecticut with a Wall Street trader and <laughs> and apparently have kids. And the main characters all get an invite to her baby shower, which prompts All kinds of soul searching, um, not least from Carrie, who is four days late for her period. (gasps) What can it all mean? (laughs) And I mean, this one, it's a funny one. Weirdly as an episode, it's not one of the best episodes ever, but it does raise lots of questions for us today. Yeah. So what do we think?
3: Well, when you said, oh, we're asking if things are still relevant today, like literally some of the conversations in that episode I have had word for word within the last year, Mm. which I wasn't necessarily, you're kind of like this program is what, 20 years old. And it just all still felt completely relevant, which is quite depressing. But I don't know if part of that is because baby showers are just making it over to the UK. Mm.
0: And it's all having a bit of a comeback, isn't it? The kind of baby shower and that gender reveal. (laughs) Babies are are having a comeback. But like the gender reveal parties and the baby showers and all of that. Shit um, <laughs> is um, is uh, maybe because of Instagram.
3: Oh, maybe. I, I
0: feel like point. I always say it's because of Instagram when we're talking
2: about. But this stuff. is because well, this is the thing. Darren Starr and Michael Patrick King could not have conceived
0: what Insta- Instagram yeah. in
2: 1998, and the fact the fact is that Instagram from the offset has. I think it is the more feminine social media I don't know if Alice would agree with Twitter, but it, it you know it seemed when when people were first getting Instagram maybe about ten years ago people were saying oh yeah, it's cupcakes you know it's way it's where you take pictures of cupcakes yeah so and I suppose what could be more cupcakes than a baby shower are these very pastel pinks and pastel blues and that's obviously very gender reveal mm. but um you know I think certainly I I have been to one baby shower in my 38 years. Um, so they've made it over here, they never used to. And the strangest thing is, when my friend had her baby shower, none of us questioned it.
3: Yeah, because you're so conditioned by media from the States. But the, the trend that I've noticed among my friends is to have a baby shower, but to be like, to call it so-and-so's not a baby shower. And yesterday on the group chat, we were actually organising a baby shower and someone did a doodle poll to see when people would be free and they gave it that title. And I was like, guys, at this stage, can we just admit that what we're throwing is baby showers? And that's fine, but it it is what it is. Why
0: do you think that's the case? Are they, like, embarrassed because it's a bit naff and American? Or is that it?
3: I I suspect that's it, yeah. Um... But it has,
2: it's strange because these very old school... Things that we do, right? The rites of passage that obviously women largely go through. Well, baby showers, it's solely women. But the other one as well is the Hindu, which, you know, now, you know, some of the Hindus Mm -hmm. that I've been on have been insane production numbers. And it feels like these very traditional. I want to say choices because I think actually we should say choices. These very traditional choices do get massively celebrated and we'll deal with this later. But what happens if you don't have a baby or you don't get married? Apparently, you don't get presents. Mm. Oh, it's a big it's a big one, isn't it? Because what I thought was interesting as well is that, you know, we should, as feminists, be celebrating all the choices of women. Whereas those poor suburban women in Connecticut, they are shamed. They are shamed for <laughs> being mothers. You know, they, it's so disparaging towards. Um, the sort of the Stepford Wives of Connecticut kind of there is a definite distinction between and I do love it and I think it's quite iconic the scene where the the city girls arrive dressed all in black with sunglasses on
0: I really noticed what they were wearing as well they literally looked like they'd stepped out of the Matrix like (laughs) all in like long black leather coats it was a
3: horrible 90s leather jacket
0: sort of shapeless (laughs) but all kind of like coming up the stairs like like kind of the four witches what did they call themselves in the last one like the four witches of Eastwick yeah but the,
2: the poor. The mothers, and there was very much a divide between <coughs> at this stage between Miranda, Charlotte, um, Carrie, and Samantha, and then mothers. And so it's interesting, and I wonder is do we think there still is some sort of divide? between womanhood and motherhood and is motherhood an evolved version of womanhood like is that a woman's final form because if it is obviously as a trans woman i'm fucked so <laughs> so we just it's in, it's interesting and it seems there is almost a suspicion of mothers as well like they you know the the four main characters are so out of their comfort zone surrounded by mothers and children and obviously this is very pressing for Carrie cuz she is thinking she might be pregnant So yeah, so Alice, we have, you know, in a scandalous sort of abuse of um, our friendship, we've brought you in as the cisgender woman, (laughs) because basically Dylan and I are completely fucked in this conversation. (laughs) So no pressure. But what do you think?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm very happy to be the womb in the room. The womb womb in the room! room. I just, the thing I thought was interesting was that I kind of thought it it did it went both ways and the thing that struck me that i thought was really sad was how threatened both sides felt by each other and how they both kind of defended really fiercely the choices that they had made and i think that is still definitely super relevant and i think the other thing was when you have a group of friends and you have these changes in your life whether it's moving out of the city and I am totally guilty of being completely obnoxious whenever I have to leave London and I saw that and I was like oh god that's me isn't it I should be nicer I was exactly the same yeah. as well yeah um, when I saw
0: that seat when people were like does anyone know how to drive yeah. I was like that is so that is so typical of people living in a big city like, oh, like. yeah um,
3: yeah so like whether you move whether you have kids I think it just makes you it makes you question and sometimes double down on your own choices so that still felt very real. Mm. Um, But the other thing i felt the show could have gone bigger on was the experience of the pregnancy scare Uh because maybe it's just me as a very melodramatic (laughs) person but the pregnancy scare and i've had many usually completely unfounded just (laughs) you know i like to call it the game show that nobody wins fat or pregnant (laughs) Um, when you're maybe not even a bit late but you take a test (laughs) nope just fat again brilliant um And you, you just, your mind spins with all of these fantasies of, of, oh shit, what would I do? You know, what can my life be? And normally you don't want to share it with anyone. So I think that's such an intense thing that a lot of, of cis women experience and don't necessarily talk about masses. And then it's really funny when you do. Um, so it was quite, yeah, seeing like Carrie going through that and like the discussion about which brand of pregnancy tests you <laughs> trusted and things like that. And how much should you spend, you know, do you buy like Tesco, Basics, or do you spring for the one with the smiley face? Yeah, the one with the digital display that says very clearly
2: not pregnant. (laughs) Surely that's
0: the path of the course now, isn't it? Just the not pregnant. Sign.
3: I still buy it's, the really cheap ones.
0: The ones that you have to like
2: It's like similar. The only thing I, that I suppose I could compare it to in my life is the um HIV tests. I was thinking you're the like, same what, thing. What does, the, like... what does that line mean? Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. What does? Please just say positive or negative. I don't want to analyze your lines. Um, Control I wondered, lines. And... I wondered
0: if um, Sex and the City has been criticised for load of loads of product placement. I wondered if First Response <laughs> like paid to be in that because Miranda said First Response four times. And we saw the brand name twice.
2: Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was like, first
0: response." I've had such a good experience with First Response. Have First Response. I was like, "Oh." oh. So there you go. Anyway, We're still getting not... their
3: money's worth now. Yeah, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here <laughs> yes, we are promoting <laughs> yeah. First, by, by by first,
1: may first Response. May not even exist in the UK.
2: Um, Other brands are available. <laughs> but no, and it was interesting as well. I mean, I like the whole conversation about you know how many days late should you be before you should truly panic. Although interesting at this stage the word abortion was not mentioned and was not mentioned until series four. So we what? will get back to you in, what, three years' time yes. and we will discuss whether or not Carrie would have... Um, con- so it turns out in the episode she's not pregnant, whether or not she would have had... Although we later found out Carrie has already had an abortion. So um, she has been she has been there once before at least. This episode, because what we would normally start to do by now is answer the question. Did you notice there was no question?
0: Mm, yeah. I was looking... There was sort of... Weird- Formations of one, but not mm. like an ultimate.
2: There was I mean, an the, I
3: began to wonder.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, I suppose the nearest thing to a question was, is motherhood a cult? Which feels a tad reactionary. And it's very often Dylan and I will say that question is ridiculous. But that I mean, if you're, is nonsense.
0: At, if you're looking at mum's net, then, no, then no. yes. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's a silly. What what Did you notice that kind of theme, Alice? And what did you think of it?
3: Yeah, definitely. And I did. It's interesting because I think the main thing that struck me was just everyone having to justify their decisions. So Mm. I thought the whole like when all the mums popped up and they were talking about like what they used to do and things like that, Mm. it was kind of like these are like really intense New York City people who've just gone as hard on motherhood as they used to do on their careers. So in that sense, yeah, it probably is a bit culty. I think, I don't know, I think it's interesting. I think as someone who who now has a few friends with kids. Mm. There's there's sort of a couple of kinds of conversation and some of them are really inclusive and like whenever anyone's talking about the funny things their toddler's done or whatever, can't get enough. But there are some conversations about like brands of buggy or like specific parenting <coughs> techniques. And it's just like there's no there's no way into those conversations if you're not a parent. And I think that's when it can feel a bit like I've there's there's a wall here between me and my friends that wasn't there before. But I
0: imagine in most cases though it's not deliberate. No, no. no. hopefully. No, no. it's
3: <laughs> so just yeah. you talk about the reality of your life, right? Yeah, and it's and like
0: I notice, and you probably notice as well, actually. Like talking about like the gay scene, like you with with like lovely straight friends, but you'll see their faces kind of just go like like I don't know what you're, you're talking about. A foreign like, language. What are you talking about? I literally um, did a
3: primer at work to like gay memes the other day, <laughs> and I was just like, so this is the world in which gay people can't drive and everyone drinks iced coffee and and they walk fast and the cock destroyers (laughs) are a thing like trying to explain them (laughs) to straight people is just impossible like I feel I'm going to be honest
2: there was a period not so much now and I will say why in a minute but there was a period where it did feel like I had lost women to the cult if you want and they'd gone and it was a time thing and it's not an ideological thing it's a time thing in that a lot of my girlfriend's who, and you know, my girlfriends by and large had really wonderful supportive partners who had their backs and were co-parenting. And they still, you know, as I was turning 30 and becoming a woman, it felt, I did lose some friends. They they went from my life and we all knew what was happening. It wasn't a mystery. It was that person can't get shit-faced on vodka with us tonight because she's breastfeeding. And we were like, oh my God, let's all go to Disney for the weekend can't, she just can't. She's, for one, and this is me putting a very emotive word on it, trapped. And in a way that we weren't. And I wonder if that's where some of the sort of, this notion of like an us and them comes from, which is on one side, you know, I looked at my friends who were living these very quite sort of domestic, lovely, happy families experiencing this thing that I will never experience. And the flip side of that is, My girlfriends were watching me and my childless friends go out and have a blast. And I wonder if that's where some of the resentment comes from, which is it's freedom versus, well, I guess family. Freedom or family. And my next question to both of you is, can we have both? And do we know women who have it all? Miranda says, we know these great city women with kids and great careers. And then Samantha says, who? Those friends that I lost, those girlfriends that I lost have come back. Their kids are in school now. Like we're having, for the first time in years and years, we're having a big girls holiday in September where everyone can come because nobody's breastfeeding anymore. So we can all go together again and the kids are being left with the dads. And so that's really, really good. Do we think mothers can
4: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at
2: HelloFresh.com That's a big one, isn't it? It is. And it's a big one The don't answer. And that's mm. something, that's a theme that keeps <clears throat> coming up on these. With, yeah. the, with their feminist leanings, they go halfway and then stop. And in that conversation where Samantha says name one, sort of working career woman mother, Carrie, Miranda, someone should have said if we didn't live in a patriarchy, we could have it all because we would have more flexible working hours, we would have equal maternity and paternity pay, we would have, you know a million different structures in place that supports women back into the workplace. And I don't think that's true.
3: I tell you one thing that has really changed since this show came out in the UK anyway, or in my office anyway, and that is decent paternity leave. Mm-hmm. So I think as soon as men are away from the office from for a considerable period of time, they're at home with the baby doing it all All way around, you know, not just like babysitting. Uh I think that's what really seems to kind of move the needle because I think it's really interesting that you know you can be in a in a couple and go into parenting and be theoretically making the same decision, but the impact it's going to have on on a man versus a woman who, if you know, you're having a baby biologically, is massively different and that's really scary yeah I think it's probably hopefully going to get easier to have it all I think you probably still need some staff if I'm mm. honest you <laughs> like, need yeah, a cleaner which
2: and... both Miranda and Charlotte later have right. um, does, um, which is how they manage it But um, does
0: Madonna have it all <laughs> I'm not sure
2: Madonna lives in the same world. Yeah, I'm not going to use Madonna as like <laughs> yeah. a touchstone yeah, I think for realistic for like life the choices. I'd movie. love <laughs> to. My I have friends who have achieved it. Um I've had I have friends who were really excited to get back to work because it was like I want to talk about something that's not kids now and and they have managed to juggle it by either working. And this is again this is where the system has bended to accommodate for motherhood, but one of my friends, you know, she works four days a week, um, which works with childcare, and then her mum does some childcare. But again, that responsibility we note falling on women a lot yeah. of the time, how unpaid many, work.
3: How many dads work four days a week? I know loads of mums who work yeah. four days a week, but hardly any dads.
2: Last time, this time last year, I was in Denmark, which is a country which has said that couples can divide up paternal, um, familial leave however they want.
0: I mean, it's shocking that that's not the case everywhere. Well, you'd
2: think, (laughs) but, now here's the tea... I was speaking to some of the women teachers and they were saying, in theory, this is great. However, <sighs> there is a, some employers are very funny with men and they're like, well, yeah, but we will, we will rehire and we will fill, we need, you know, we need somebody in five days a week. And so in practice, there is still the assumption that women will take the leave and fathers will work. So even when systems are put in place, In practice, it doesn't always work out.
3: And I think that's really interesting because what you've got now is a generation of men who are the ones who have to be the brave ones and potentially take a hit Mm -hmm. and be the first one in their office. But once you get the first one in the office to do it, especially someone senior, it sets the standard that everyone can. But it's really interesting because I'm not sure how many men have had to make those decisions before in a way that women often have to take a deep breath and do something that might challenge Mm. the status quo. I've seen it with fathers in seemingly woke
2: couples. I have seen some fathers delighted at the news their partner is pregnant, but not doing the math. It doesn't occur that, to them. That this, is, this is not nine months <clears throat> for your partner. This is, it has a huge knock-on effect for their employment, for their health, for what they're going to be able to do, their travel for the next, what, two, three, four, five years. Yeah. And, you know... You know freddie mcconnell from the guardian has his amazing film seahorse out at the moment which is about a trans man um giving birth to his child and you know potentially in a society where men carried all the babies, we'd very quickly see some shit change.
0: There was something that came to me. I really felt, Laney is kind of this ridiculous character, mm-hmm. but you really genuinely feel for her at the end.
3: Oh, that oh, man. scene. And, where, it's yeah. just,
0: and I kind of like hated, almost for the, for the first and maybe last time ever, hated Samantha a bit. Because I was like, she was kind of making fun of her. And I was like, no, this is like really upsetting. And I kind of identified with Lainey a bit when she said, she, she just has this like fear that one day you'll look, she said, you'll look in the mirror and you won't know who you are anymore. And so many people, not just w- women, but I'm sure a lot of women who have unexpectedly had kids, sometimes wake up and think, oh my God, like what what's going what on? What's happening? So I thought that was quite a powerful line
2: actually. It was, and this was I would say Lainey's episode. Yeah. Mm. I think it's she is an interest I mean, I don't think we <clears> did <throat> need to see her again. But something rang true. And yeah, that the scene at the end where she tries to be the woman she was before was was quite painful because she's not and that's fine. But I think Really, that the answer to the question that doesn't exist is motherhood a cult. It wouldn't need to be if we had less of a patriarchy. And again, if we all supported women's choices equally, because I think the flip side of that is the appalling treatment women get, not so much me because I'm barren, um, <laughs> and I think I'm so dead inside, even <laughs> if I'd have been a cisgender woman, I would have been barren anyway, is the treatment that women get, especially young women, if they say they don't want children. Oh my God. And two of my friends knew from a very young age they weren't interested in having kids. And the, that awful line of oh, wait till you meet the mm-hmm. right man, or oh, just wait till you're 30. You know, it's a bullshit that you will never have to experience. And it's bullshit that I started to get post-transition. Now, it was really strange, because this was even people who knew I was trans were in Trans Corner. This is what we call this part of the chat where we talk about my life as a trans woman. No one had ever, when I was living as James, no one had ever, ever asked me, how do, how do you feel about the fact you can't have children? No one had ever said that to me, almost as soon as I was junior. How do you feel about the fact you'll never have children? And the answer is, well, the same as I felt two years ago. You know, I I made peace with it, you know, kind of. And if I wanted children, I will adopt some. You know, there will be a way I will, we will use a surrogate. Something will happen. But, it, you know, it was certainly not, not once a question I was asked when I was living as a gay man or whatever, however we want to describe it. So I think that was something, again, not discussed in this episode because Samantha... I think we can assume Samantha would have been the one who would have said, fuck this, I never want kids. And that wasn't really discussed. Yeah,
3: and I think that's really interesting because I think um, it feels sometimes like the only routes for kind of validation you're offered as a woman the one that's always been there is motherhood mm-hmm. and the new one is this kind of corporate feminism where you get emancipated through your career and making loads of money in an office and the trouble is those two like completely butt heads. they do not go together you mm. can't be exceptional I think at both of them and both and things
0: are expecting a huge amount from you huge
3: you can't just be average yeah I think. yeah um so yeah it's it's just an impossible dilemma I think a dilemma again
2: that I don't think troubles men. And that was strangely big, the other half of Carrie's pregnancy scare is not in this episode. I was yeah. I was
0: gonna say I've really enjoyed listening to both of you talk about this because I don't, I have a few female friends, but I don't, certainly don't have enough. It's mostly gay men, let's be honest. I mean, Um, same. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) don't we all? Um, This has a whole podcast dedicated (laughs) to to that. uh, To
3: finding other women.
0: (laughs) I'm really happy that I've heard what you guys have had to say and also really disappointed because I think I just assumed that it was all better not not all obviously not all better but i just assumed men were a bit better now society was a bit better now but it seems not <laughs> which no. is awful
3: and it's interesting i saw some study from spain i think which was the more involved men were and it was to do with i think compulsory paternity leave the more involved men were in like the early years of raising kids the fewer children they wanted but and, and it was like inverse right. for women. Mm-hmm. So like right. the more well. the men were involved, the more they were prepared to have more children. And I think <clears> that's it, isn't it? Like no one ever says, Oh, will having children affect a man's career because I just don't think it, it does. It never has done anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. I would um, hope that men of say like men in their twenties and in their late in their late twenties and younger would now be more up for like staying home more.
3: Do you know what, I think the status quo is so powerful. Mm -hmm. I think if you look, even if you look at things like, that don't have as, things like um, changing your name when you get married, Mm -hmm. like the, just the strength of the instinctive resistance to that from so many men, just absolutely no way. is just fascinating to me absolutely fascinating and a really good litmus test and I think lots of I don't know you know I don't want to be unfair here and I'm sure loads of Of men and dads are like trying really hard and they're doing what has been modeled for them of like how Mm. to be a father. And I'm sure also a a lot of it is to do with like there's probably a lot of pressure to be a breadwinner Mm. that maybe women don't have. So we make different choices because of that. But it's still like, uh, to be honest, one of the things that disappointed me, even if it didn't surprise me, was how each beat of this episode felt like it could be completely current. The only thing that was different was the shit haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Including the, strange... in the flashback. Yes. <laughs> yes.
2: When every, well, apparently in 1990, I did the maths, in 1990, Carrie wears cowboy hats. Well, oh, when everybody wears a wig, apparently, in 1990. Everyone has a Why wig does
0: she, what? she wears a cowboy hat to that, like, firework party, doesn't yeah. she? Where she's like, Annie, dress me up. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> God. Um, I was going to say, some. there was one thought I had Is about... Is it about the name Shayla? It's, it's, but we'll come to that. I've got
3: that in capital notes. I've got Samantha's... Capital letters in my notes. I've got yeah. Samantha's
0: line as well. Um <laughs> But there was one thought I had just going back to everything we've just been talking about is the I thought that not to make everything about me, but I thought there was a slight kind of gay sensibility to the way that they compared um, the kind of provincial heteronormative Uh and inverted commas life with these like urban people in leather jackets. And it does not again, as we've said a few times, not surprising, written by written by a gay man. Um and I just thought, yeah, probably a lot of gay men in the nineties are really identified with the Sex and the City girls turning up to like friends of friends' houses to baby showers and being a bit like, uh um
2: Well I mean and later on <clears throat> Stanford will be left behind. It's yeah. a self fulfilling prophecy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. so yeah, that I just yeah. Shayla.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, let's be honest, Charlotte has fucking dodged a bullet with Shayla. Hasn't I've, just, she?
3: I've just got in my notes, America is truly another country. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, it's just really interesting because Charlotte's obviously so posh. And to me, that is, like, not a posh name at all. I think, I think, again, they're sort of finding their way because I think later on, I mean, obviously she
2: calls her children Lily and Rose. So very traditional names. So, but I suppose maybe 11-year-old Charlotte thought Shayla... Was a good idea, and thus had it embroidered <laughs> on a pillar.
0: By the way, if anyone listening is called Shayla, we don't. We We're don't not we'd, we'd
2: love you just... to get in touch about <laughs> how how you came to be called Shayla. I suppose they didn't. They needed it to be believably unusual, because otherwise, had had Lainey said, you know, I want to call my daughter Amelia. Charlotte couldn't really make a claim on that, so it had to be a
3: slightly made-up name. Mm. The scary thing, though, is that this episode is old enough that an adult called Shayla could get in touch with you, who was named after <laughs> after 1998.
0: Oh god, that's that. It I don't. Could have like
3: inceptioned that. the whole thing.
0: That doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> Shayla, <laughs> Shayla,
2: please do contact us if you're there. We would love to hear from all. What the I Shailas. loved, what
0: I loved as well, was Samantha just going, "You bitch, <laughs> when, <laughs> you." Let's go, and they just left. Like
2: that was it. Because I love you. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> The notion that Samantha has a litany of frenemies is explored later, including an episode called Frenemies. Frenemies, yeah. Um, But yeah, I think we all have that one friend, and I'm not going to say who mine is. We all have <laughs> one friend who we are inexplicably competitive with. And very often it's because you're basically the same person. And clearly Laney and Samantha are in a red squirrel, grey squirrel <laughs> situation. <laughs> and Samantha is definitely the grey squirrel in that she does obliterate Lainey. And we never hear from her. Ever again.
0: So, on that note, in, I think cl-
2: in closing, what have we learned? In closing,
0: um, well, I've learned a lot, as I said before. Um, it's, all, it's a bit bleak what I've learned. Can, we all, can <laughs> we all just
2: agree that gender reveal parties? I mean, I'm all. Ban them. Let's just ban them. So, I am all for the baby shower because um, it's funny, me and, me and my boyfriend are about to move in, and we've suddenly realised why people get married. Because people will buy you shit you need. <laughs> so I, I understand the practical purpose of a baby shower, which is a new mum, particularly a first time mum, is going to need stuff. That is totally fair. But enough. please let's leave gender reveal parties. Yeah. Because there's... as I am living, breathing proof <laughs> that you do not know shit about your baby's gender. <laughs> when, when, Even when it's born, ask them again when they're 18. Have a gender reveal party when they're 18. Yeah. And they're involved <laughs> in this process. Yeah, that's I, great. I
3: do have a theory about it which is that there's, let's be honest not much to say about a fetus or a tiny baby all you have is it's gender and it's weight that's literally <laughs> it and name so you're kind of clutching at content opportunities <laughs> here
2: but, how, but that's again so that's true. so 2019 that you are, you're creating online content that's what you're doing
0: yeah. Instagram, it's it like I said Instagram yeah.
2: so is motherhood a cult? No, and we should all support our friends' choices. And I learned this, and I will say this, um, my friend Laura Dockrell has talked a lot about the fact she had postpartum psychosis and a little message that I know we don't want to bug our friends who are new mums, but always check in on your friends who are new mums. They might have gone quiet. It might not just be that they're Mm. busy. There might be something more going on. Mm. So always check in with (coughs) your new mum friends.
3: And if you have... One of the funniest things I discovered when my friends started having kids was that if you have a really non-baby friendly lifestyle, like for example, I DJ, Mm -hmm. funnily enough, the people who were on whatsapp at two in the morning when i was djing were the the mums of new babies oh wow so okay. you've got no excuse you might be <laughs> up at the same time as them so <laughs> check in
2: with your mum friends
0: that's a good bit of trivia i think yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great
3: alice thank you so much for
2: coming on yes the Troll thank podcast. you have you enjoyed so i got to thinking i've loved it thank you for we're having me back again
3: anytime oh.
2: do join us next week when we will have another guest we've got Alex Fox from Unexpected Fluids coming in and we will be watching series one episode 11 the drought the drought yes until then um, subscribe and we'll see you then bye
1: bye